Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of The Way of the Wolf by Jordan Belfort. Straight line selling, master the art of persuasion, influence, and success. If the name Jordan Belfort doesn't instantly jump out at you, uh, you probably know him by his nickname. In fact, you almost definitely do. The Wolf of Wall Street. He was a, the character, I guess, that that was based on. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did a lot of wild stuff. I'm sure almost everybody's seen that movie. Anyway, this is him. And according to Jordan here, he's saying everything they said about him in that movie. It's true. Because <laughs> he's one of those natural-born salespeople. He reckons he can sell ice to an Eskimo, oil to an Arab, port to a rabbi, or anything else along those lines. Yeah, he says he's got this gift. He was one of those natural-born salesmen that uh, for him and the, the lucky few that have it, obviously, it's phenomenal. But thankfully, everybody else, he says, we can learn that ability as well. And sales is just another one of those skills that you can improve at. If you think about back in the movie, what Leo did, he took really thousands of kids who could barely chew or even walk straight. And in it, they turn into world-class closers using this magical sales systems he's got, and that's called the straight line. Yeah, so he uh, developed this the straight line system, which he says is the turnkey solution to really any business or any industry. If you're in sales, if you own your own business, uh, or really if you if you just work where you have to talk to a, a client and convince them to do something, then this system could be a game changer for you. So some people, they might think, since I'm not in sales, what's the point of learning how to sell? But really... Selling is everything in life because if you're not selling, then you're failing. Hey, you, listening, come closer, listen, I've got a secret. You know what? Every sale, it's the same. <laughs> you from here. <laughs> Just say John out of these and later I'll mention I'll bring back the whispering and okay. why we whispered. <laughs> these, these are the words that Jordan uttered to his team in uh, 1988. I don't know if he uttered in quite that tonality, but we'll get to that later. But he did say that every sale is the same. It might be hard to believe, but basically there's almost like a formula, almost a code, uh, a series of steps that every single sale goes through, regardless if uh, if you're selling a pen, like he tried to get people to do in the movies, or if you're selling you know, 100 grand's worth of stock, which is also what he was trying to sell in the movies as well. You're probably thinking like everyone did when he first uttered these words, like, yeah, bullshit, Jordan. Every sale is different. Every customer you come across, you've got different complaints, different objections, and different reasons why they can't buy your product. But Jordan, being the born salesperson, he can step in the helicopter and go meta and find the different principles that are similar in every sale. So, you probably remember from the movie, they were selling the the pink sheets or the pink the pink slips, the penny stocks. They were selling these dodgy, dodgy companies, you know, two blokes in their garage who nobody had ever heard of before, but they were able to sell this as, you know, this is the next massive opportunity. You can make so much money on it. The stock's so cheap that small small increments are um, going to be massive percentages and uh, they were able to sell to mum and dads to say, hey, you, you can get rich by buying this stock. Uh, but of course, the mums and dads that they were cold calling we're buying in small little chunks of you know a couple hundred bucks at a time. They're making a nice commission. Everybody was making a, a little bit of money, but not heaps of money. So they thought, well, why don't we just take the same thing and let's sell it to rich people rather than selling a couple hundred bucks? Why don't we sell them tens of thousands of bucks? And of course, then our commissions are going to be massive. But unfortunately, a lot of the salespeople weren't able to sell to the rich people. Jordan had cracked the code, so he thought, "Well, I can do it. I'm making I'm making tens of thousands of dollars every single month in these commissions, uh, even hundreds of thousands of dollars each month. How come these kids can't do it? What are they missing? Uh, what aren't they getting right? They can sell the mums and dads, but they can't sell the rich people. They're sort of scared of of uh, stepping it up that notch. So, if you remember in the movie, Jordan he taught Danny first, and he did pretty well, and then they end up teaching the whole team. 
this straight line system he's got here. And by the end of it, all of them, they went from making a couple hundred bucks a month in commission to to earning something in the magnitude of hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So these people were just like me and you, Astro, and, and the listener. But with this system, they were unlocked this ability to, to sell to anybody. So back to the point that every single sale is the same and the core fundamental thing that is involved in every single sale is certainty. Everybody needs certainty. They need belief. They need trust that they think, okay, if I make this decision, if I take this action, if I buy whatever this person's selling me, it's going to work. Yeah. So the certainty, it spreads across three different elements. And you think about it always in your brain, where are they on these three elements from, say, a sliding scale of one to 10? So the first one is obviously the product and they need to believe in it and they need to trust in it. And in essence, the prospect must be absolutely certain that they love their product and it's going to change their life in some way. So this goes for both the tangibles, a boat, a house, food, clothing, whatever it is, a new computer. You need to trust or believe that it's going to do what you expect it to do. It also goes for the intangibles as well, the ideas, the concepts, the values, the beliefs. You need to have that belief and that trust. And obviously, the closer you get to a 10 out of 10 in terms of certainty, the more likely you are to take that action and and make that purchase. So, the people who are ones here, we don't want to be influencing and tricking them or anything. And this is where they think your product's a piece of shit. You probably can't do much about that. 10, you know, obviously arrive there. But a five, if someone's got a five on their chest, they're yelling out and they're screaming out, please influence me now. I can't make up my mind. So, I want you, Mrs. Salesperson, to come and help me. So, the first thing that people need to believe in and trust in and have certainty about is the product. The second thing is you. They need to trust and they need to believe in you as a salesperson. If you're a likable and trustworthy person who's not only an expert in your field but also is clearly putting the needs of the customer before your own, then you're most likely the best person to help them out. And the final piece of the puzzle is trust, belief, certainty when it comes to the company that is uh, making this product or this service. They need to trust and believe in the company itself. So the three areas that we need to develop this strong, strong level of certainty, you know, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 is uh, a trust and belief in the product, in you and in the company. And certainty comes in two different uh, varieties. So in one sense, you've got logical certainty and this is based on simply the words you say, does everything make intellectual and rational sense? So you're thinking about features and benefits, facts and figures and the long-term value proposition into their life. So basically, that's that, that sober, stoic, emotionless perspective where you think about it logically. Does this thing make sense? If I buy this product, am I going to get the benefits that I expect? Or if I, uh, in Jordan's case, if I invest in this stock, does it logically make sense? Is there something I can believe from the words that I'm told or the, the facts and figures on the pieces of paper that this thing is going to work? The second one is emotional certainty. So this is really the gut feeling that something must be good. I've been looking at buying properties recently in, in Victoria, which is a bit of a 180, some have been listening for a while. <laughs> You've been listening for three years. But, um, you know, I remember one salesperson, real estate agent, I went in there, I actually loved the joint. Everything made logical sense in the brain for exactly what I want to be doing and investing and developing and all that stuff in the future. But the bloody salesperson, right, a bit of a, just a snake in the grass kind of vibe. So, at this moment, I had the logical certainty there, but the emotional certainty I'd put down at like the one or two, really based on the salesperson's presence. Now, the thing is that emotional certainty is a lot harder, uh, but also a lot more important. Like the logical certainty, if you spell it out, plain black and white, 
Obviously, you either believe it or you don't. There's not much really you can do to influence that. The emotional certainty is really the key. That's when you, you get that uneasy feeling in the stomach that, yeah, I guess it kind of looks good, but this, this person seems to be trying to sell me a bit of snake oil, something like that. The emotional certainty, the, the feelings element of the sale is far more important. So, it's pretty plain and simple. The prospect, these are the three areas we need to be pushing them forward and the two different types of certainty. If they're going to say no, that's absolutely fine as well. You need mm. to let them move on. We're not about manipulating and changing people. We're all about influencing people, the people who are just haven't made up their mind yet. So, the job of a salesperson isn't manipulation. It is turning the people who are like, let me think about it, turning them into a yes and the people let me call you back or the I need to speak to my wife about it. All these uncertain people on the fence, they're the ones we're trying to get. So, Jordan here when he was teaching all his students or colleagues or employees, I guess you could say, he was saying, all right, everyone, I'm ready to go all night. Locked eye contact with every single person in the room. They were sitting behind wooden desks arranged in a classroom style and each desktop had a cheap black phone with 100 index cards and they needed to call a wealthy investor in each one. Now, unfortunately, at this point at the beginning, they had closed uh, exactly zero sales. So, not a single member of the team had closed any sales on any of those 100 index cards. So, Jordan said, okay, this is what we got to do. We got to work out this proper straight line system. This is when he first taught them. He said, it's very easy. You start here, here's your open and you put a big X. And then he said, this is where the sale begins. And then here at the next X, this is where you close and basically just do a straight line between the two. So, the whole point of any sale is going from open to close in, a, in as straight a line as possible. And then uh, adding a bit more detail, he went in vertical arrows. So, the one going up, you got Pluto and the one going down, you got Uranus. So, it's a very, very simple uh, framework obviously but what he's trying to say here is everything that you do in this sale is trying to go from left to right and every time you deviate from this direction, you're really going to Uranus which mm. uh, you don't necessarily want to be <laughs> yeah, going no, to. Exactly. So, uh, every time that... Uh, you think you might be doing this uh, rapport building, getting to know someone, you cold call them and then you start talking about uh, the baseball or you start talking about the weather or you start talking about the current state of politics or any of this stuff. You normally think, oh, this is just rapport building. I'm getting mm. to know the person. They're getting to trust me. That's just bullshit. That's just taking you straight to Uranus. Yeah, I think about the people who call me, if they just want to bullshit for too long, uh, it's less impressive than the people who are just straight to the point. You can mm. tell their time's precious and the small talk is a bit of a waste of time with them. Yeah, we've all, we've all got a built-in bullshit detector. We know that uh, within a couple of seconds, if people are just talking about all this stuff, we know that we just feel they're trying to trick us or they're trying to manipulate us or they're trying to build this rapport, but it just doesn't work because we can see right through it. We're getting sent off to Pluto or Uranus. All we should be doing is moving as, as close to this straight line as possible towards the close. So, how do we get there? The first front half of this straight line system has a few different tenets. So, firstly, what you need to do is take immediate control of the sale. And this is very similar if you listen to Pitch Anything by Oron Claff, which we recommend going back to listen to that about how to take the frame. Another thing you need to do is engage in massive intelligence gathering. So, rather than just having this inclination to just talk about who won the cricket between, I don't know, West Indies and England or something like that, drop all that bullshit and every bit of that small talk needs to be 
purposeful towards and relevant to what the sale is. Yeah, exactly. You should be uh, identifying their needs, both their, you know, the surface level, the things they tell you, but also their core underlying needs. You need to identify which of the benefits of your product are going to be uh, most valuable to them. You need to be getting a bit of it. Obviously, you're not going to ask someone how much they earn, but you need to get a bit of a taste of their financial standing, their financial position. Uh, so you can really, so you can sort of pitch your product or your service at the right level. All this stuff is far more important than uh, than building rapport in the the more traditional sense. It, by doing this, by appearing to be an expert in what you're talking about, that's going to be more valuable in terms of rapport building. And at the same time, you're going to be gathering intelligence that's going to help your pitch later. So that's the front end of the sale. The back end of the sale is where all the real action and real fireworks begin. Because this is where they're going to say, oh, I've got to think about it, I've got to do my research or find any real excuse to not say yes if they're not certain enough about it yet. Because this is where we've got the one ultimate goal in our mind and that's to increase the prospect's certainty as much as possible. Yeah, that's it. Remember those three elements uh, where we want to get to as close to 10 as possible, the product, you and your company, you want to be increasing your certainty as much as possible. And Jordan says that the sale doesn't really start until that first objection, until that first time where they say, let me think about it, or they say, it's not, it's not a good time of year, or they say, oh, let me go back and speak to my husband or wife about this. Uh, that's when the sale really starts. Yeah. I remember that job interview you mentioned at the start uh, happened late last year and asking me pretty basic questions on whether I can fulfill these tasks. And you know, one part of it was very honest. I just said, look, there's no one in Australia who's done this exact thing yet. So, right now, I don't really know, but, you know, I can find it. I was being honest, but at the same time, I could have given a lot more certainty because that was mm. a sales moment to just sell on them that I'm the man for the person to figure this shit out, which I think I could definitely do. But as this sales situation happened, I was a bit bit weak. And uh, because of that, I also didn't get the call back. So, uh, often in, uh, in sales, especially if you're a bit of a novice uh, early on, as soon as you get that objection, you might you probably think, oh, I just got to bust this objection and keep going. Um, or you might think, oh, damn, I've lost them. They need to go and speak to their wife. I'll have to try in a couple of days. But Jordan is saying that's where the real fun starts because that's when you've got to, uh, to realize that they're not saying no. They're just saying, they're basically telling you, look, I don't have enough certainty in any of those three areas. So, what you want to be doing is looping back around to both answer their objections, but also to make sure that you're getting them to increase their certainty to move closer towards the close. So, in retrospect, in my context, they could have said that, but I could have looped back to one of my benefits and said, look, I'm extremely curious and I'm someone who figures anything out, so any problem I'll be able to solve it. So, rather than being weak in the objection, you're actually looping back to some of your, the benefits and features that you've got. Uh, our show, I recently been trying to be sold Greg Secker, your man's course, who mm. you famously spent a bit <laughs> of cash on chasing that silver bullet. And because it came up on my YouTube algorithm, I just clicked on to see, hey, what's, what's old mate Secker up to? And uh, anyway, I got clicking around and went to his product review page just to see all the one-star reviews. And of which there were many. <laughs> so many one-star reviews. But every time the customer service answered the one-star review, they did it in a way that was actually pumping themselves up and made the reviewer look like it wasn't so legitimate at the same time, making themselves look better. And after reading all the reviews, I was... Uh, you were, don't tell me you bought it. Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> My certainty went from a, a 2 out of 10, but they bumped me up. Um, to a 4 out of 10 rather than butt me down or 1 out of 10, which should have happened after that many reviews.
as a species, we're extremely driven by fear. Uh, we've said tens, of, tens or dozens of times on episodes in the past about the, the the two cavemen walking down the down the path, and one hears a rustle in the bushes and runs the other way, and one thinks, "Oh, it's probably just nothing," and that's a bloke who gets eaten by the tiger, and that's game over. So the ones who survived and, and perpetrated the species were the ones who were fearful, uh, and the ones who were a bit more hesitant when it came to change and, and brand new things. So this fear is really wired into our reptilian brain. So we're always scanning, especially as dodgy salesmen come up, Mm. our fear is on high alert. So in every interaction, we've got a very narrow time frame to not let that reptilian brain's alarm bells goes off because once that reptilian brain's going wild and thinks you're a snake in the grass or a tiger in the bush or something like that, then it's hard to bring it back. So what Jordan says is really uh, when you first talk to someone, when you first meet them face to face or when you first call them on the phone, you really got four seconds to prove that you're not someone to be afraid of, that you are someone that they want to work with. So four seconds, that's really not a lot of time at all. Not at all. So we can really try and engineer these four seconds and think about it up front and how we can best present ourselves. So there's three different things that we need to look at to establish the right perception uh, at the first encounter. We need to show them that we're sharp as attack, enthusiastic as hell, and an expert in our field. If they don't think you're sharp, if they don't think you're switched on, if you're a bit dull, if you're a bit bland, then that's pretty much game over straight away. They've got no interest in working with you beyond those first four seconds. Yeah, no, no one really wants to be dealing with amateurs. They want to be dealing, think they're dealing with the very best on a certain topic. So the second one is enthusiasm. So you're sending a subliminal message to your prospect, telling them that you must have something great to offer. And if someone's really happy and excited to be telling you about their, their product, obviously the prospect's going to sense that. And of course, you want to be perceived as an expert. If you're just a novice, if you're just the salesperson who's the face of the organization, they probably don't want to deal with you. They want to deal with someone who actually knows what they're talking about. And so with these three things, you know, sharp as attack, enthusiastic as hell, an expert in your field, when you think I've got four seconds to prove all this, what happened to what your mother taught you? You know, never judge a book by its cover. We're all taught that growing up that we should look beyond the initial appearances and look delve a little bit deeper in the surface before we make our judgments. But of course, we don't do that. That's just bullshit. Mm. We say don't judge a book by its cover, but in every time you meet someone, what do you do? You judge them exactly by their cover. In 2013, a professor at Harvard University published a study on this exact topic of first impressions. And what they found was if you come up with that negative first impression, so the snaky uh, alarm bells, so to call it, ring, it's going to take eight subsequent positive impressions to bring them back. Mm. So every time we're going to keep that in mind, right? Like, yeah, if you've got two choices, you've got one is set a good impression or two is eight subsequent impressions to try to cover up for a bad first one. Obviously, you're going to, mm. you don't want to make a pretty good imp- impression first up. It makes a lot of sense. So it's not just about meeting people in person. If you answer the phone, if you've got no enthusiasm, you're just, oh, hello, <laughs> this is Adam. Like, they're not going to be sold at all. You need that enthusiasm. Yeah, you need to prove to them that you are worth listening to. You want to get to the point quickly. You don't want to waste their time or yours. You want to be seen to have a solution to any of their problems. And of course, you want to be seen as like a bit of an asset to them, someone that they want to work with long-term, someone that they're curious, someone that they're interested about beyond just this initial four-second call, someone they think, man, this is someone that I really need to work with. So, we want to be convincing our prospects as we said, one way we can do it is by showing them a web sharp as attack. 
So how do you go about doing something like this? You could give them a call and when you first meet them, say, hey, mate, I'm sharp as a tack. Nice to meet you when you shake their hand. They're probably going to slap you in the face and just think you're a bloody idiot. That's yeah, obviously but- not going to work. Even if it's true, they're just not going to believe you. Yeah. When it comes to that logical certainty, the words I'm sharp as a tack might help, but emotionally, you're not going to be thinking this person's sharp as a tack at all. Uh, in fact, you probably go the opposite way. So the only real way to prove that you are sharp as a tack, to prove that you're enthusiastic, to prove that you're an expert in those first four seconds is through uh, your tone of voice and your body language. So, it's come up in multiple books with varying percentages. <laughs> they all admit, make so up their own percentage. They're making up their own, I think. But uh, when it comes to communication, 45% is, comes down to tone, 45% comes down to body language and words is only 2%. So, something like communicating, being sharp as attack, obviously, words doesn't cut it at all when it comes to that. It comes to the other elements such as body language and tone. Yeah, exactly. So, the way you hold your body with, you know, good posture, with a bit of strength and and power and presence about how you're holding, whether whether that's how you shake someone's hand, how much you're smiling, all of those things are going to contribute to it. But also, the tonality of how you say things is going to be vitally important as well. Like, two exact sentences word for word can be received very differently based on how you actually say those words. Yeah, have a think about sometimes when you've been absolutely certain about something and you tell them that and think about the way you communicate that compared to the times when you're, oh, yeah, then I'm oh, a little bit unsure and all that. And the total difference in your tone and your body language is crazy. You know what I, I hate? We go on to all those uh, events. Tony Robbins does it all the time and then all the other Tony wannabes do it all the time. And Jordan mentioned it in this book as well, the thing like, you know, what if you go up to someone, you know, they always do this like uh, activities and stuff, go up to someone and introduce yourself and be enthusiastic as hell. And then like they'll go and say, okay, now do it again, but be a bit shy and reserved. And then you got to say, was it, you know, were you smiling or frowning? Yes or no? All that sort of stuff. Anyway, it's a, a real wank doing it six different times, especially after Tony Robbins. And then you go and see it, Joe Blow from the street at a local meetup with six people. But basically, it, it is true. Good point. Yeah. It is, there, there is a point to it. That there is certain ways of how you hold your body, certain ways of how you uh, pronounce or, or, or say these different words that can prove to somebody without mm. saying it that you can prove just with body language and tone that you are happy, enthusiastic, you're interested in them. And it actually, it does have a point. Absolutely. So, if you think about how much time we focus on just thinking about our words, which is only 10%, you worry about the presentation you're going to do. And you think it all comes down to that and that's where we put all our focus in. We've got to think about there's this whole other world of communication we can be tapping into. One example is that tone. Uh, if you think about earlier when I brought in the, the whisper. <laughs> I was wondering what that meant. <laughs> well, I would just imagine the listeners just getting the edge of their seat just hanging off every... They probably weren't. But... Uh, <laughs> That's the idea. They probably, probably turned up the speakers and then we got blasted them straight after that with a loud <laughs> laugh. So apologies. Well, the point of that is just to communicate, telling a secret, and people really, well, they're meant to just listen a bit, <laughs> a bit more intently, right? When you do that tone, you draw people in compared to when you yell or you scream or whatever. So there's different ways, hmm. different avenues we can use. Yeah. Jordan talks about 10 different um, tonalities. Uh, we don't have to go through all of them, but it is, it is obvious that there is like the, he calls it like the reasonable man tonality, or as you say, there's almost like the, I've got a secret tonality. There's all these different ways that you can present uh, your tone that make people react in certain ways. So, you want to be using those effectively. If you're just monotone, if you're just droning the whole time, people are going to tune out very quickly. So, you need to take them on a bit of a ride tonality and emotionally. And this brings us to the science and art of making world-class sales presentations you think to the movie, this was the big dog key of John Balfort. 
He was able to teach them sales presentations where anybody with this system, they could just sell it on anybody and then they live happily ever after. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to sales and all these things we've been talking about, giving a good first impression, moving people along this line of certainty, coming across as sharp as a tack, enthusiastic as hell, and an expert, uh, what it, I guess it all boils down to in one word is charisma. And charisma, it's sort of it's hard to define, but uh, one way to to do it is just point to someone who's got a hell of a lot of charisma. Jordan obviously himself does, but he points to Bill Clinton as well. He says he was the, the greatest salesman in political history through his like that he was like a Jedi master of charisma. So regardless of whether you loved or hated his politics and maybe some of the other stuff he's done um, throughout the time, <laughs> I he, was, have sick. Yeah. <laughs> he was he uh, was a master of charisma in the sense that he could he was shaking hands with hundreds of people a day and made every single one of them feel special just through his tonality, through his body language and how he could draw people in. Yeah, you pr- uh, a lot of us are probably looking at something like that and how the hell can, you know, poor old me get to that point like uh, Bill Clinton with that abundance of charisma or John Balfort uh, slash Leonardo DiCaprio which is ridiculous amounts of charisma and natural sales ability. But fortunately, charisma is actually an entirely learnable skill. And it also comes with the good enough factor, which I like this term, meaning all you have to do is become reasonably proficient. Mm. It's basically is an entry level in terms of charisma. Yeah, it's really just like a pass failure. You don't have to be the Bill Clintons or Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world to be the top of the top. But as long as you're not a negative, like <laughs> as long as you're like slightly above zero, then that's then that's good enough. And it really just boils down to three things, two that we've already spoken about. One is effective use of tonality. One is using body language strongly. And the third is not saying stupid shit. Mm, that's pretty... Uh... As soon as you, as soon as you say something stupid, that's when the, the novice, the, the snake alarm bells start ringing. This is probably toughest for most, he reckons, because experts they say mostly smart shit. Occasionally shoot the shit, but experts they never say <laughs> stupid shit. And remember, we want to be come across as an expert. That's it. And so, one way to get rid of all the stupid shit that you could potentially say, mm. of course, there are a lot of minefields when you're giving a sales presentation that you could accidentally say something stupid, is to just use scripts. Um, so, he says that if you plan out uh, exactly what you're going to say, whether that's word for word or if at least you know what direction you're heading in, if you've got a script, that eliminates all the stupid shit and then by having the words nailed, you can then focus on nailing your tonality and your body language and those other uh, more nuanced but more important levels of charisma. Most people when they're doing the sales situation, their conscious mind is fully just taken up about what they're about mm. to say and and trying to sound smart. But look, what we're doing is we're offloading our conscious mind, which is only focusing on that 10% of communication, which is the verbal word. And we're going to let our conscious mind focus on where the real communication is, and that's tone and body language. Yeah, you might think that, oh, no, I don't need a script because I already know what I'm talking about. Or you might think that, oh, if I plan out exactly what I'm going to say word for word, it's going to sound robotic. It's going to sound scripted and it's going to sound planned. But Jordan says it's actually the exact opposite. If you know the exact words you're going to use and you can almost, you know, if you're cold calling, you can read it off a sheet of paper or if you've practiced it so much that you've memorized the exact words, that's when you can stop worrying about the words and you can start really focusing on amplifying the tonality and the body language. Yeah, there's probably a lot of people listening now thinking, all right, that's uh, it's going to make me a little woody, bony, just boring old thing. But you got to think about it. every single TV show, every single TV <laughs> series, every single movie you've ever watched with all the charisma in the world, including The Wolf of Wall Street, mm. every single word's been scripted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're not reading it out like that and you don't have to as well. So, in this straight line system, moving people from open to close, 
The way to progress them further and further along that straight line towards the close is by increasing their certainty. Remember, the certainty of the product, belief in you and a belief in the company. And the way we increase their certainty is not just their logical certainty through the words that we use that we've scripted out, but more importantly, their emotional certainty that we're delivering through our tonality, through our body language and through our charisma. 